2: Welcome to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, where together with our spiritual directors, we seek to grow in our knowledge, love, and service of the Lord Jesus. My name is Patrick Conley, and I'm in for Josh Raymond today. Some of you may know me from my local show produced by and for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. That's called Practicing Catholic, and you can learn more about it over at practicingcatholicshow.com. I also help out with morning news and right here on The Inner Life from time to time on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. Well, I'm especially glad to be with you today, though, on the day of the March for Life when millions of Catholics around the United States are joining together in solidarity with one another to defend the right to life, whether in person at the march, perhaps you're fasting for life. Uh, or in other ways, and that's exactly what we're going to be focusing on here on this anniversary of the Roe Ro versus Wade decision. That's coming up, and uh, we're going to focus on it today as well as we're speaking about being pro-life. What does it mean to be pro-life? How does that? Uh, how is that informed by our Catholic faith? Why is it um, necessitated by our Catholic belief and Catholic faith? And where is it? In terms of our understanding of Catholic morality. Guiding us through today is our spiritual director welcoming welcoming back to the program. Father Dave Heaney. Father Dave grew up in Thousand Oaks, California and was ordained for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles in 1978. And in ninety-one, he received a master's degree in marriage, family, and child counseling from USC, the University of Southern California. His latest book is Luke 10 Leadership: How to Succeed in Parish Ministry, which is indeed a book on parish leadership published by Ave Maria Press, and he is now the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. Father Dave, good to be with you again. Welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Great to be with you on such an important day.
2: It is a very important day. And Father, I think it might be good because we, you never know, we might have some listeners who have never really put the uh, pro-life movement together with Catholicism, with our Catholic faith. So, Maybe just give us some foundations. Why, as Catholics, why are we pro-life?
3: Well, we are pro-life because God is pro-life. Certainly, Jesus is pro-life. And if God is pro-life, then so are we. Uh, you know, he is the author of, li- of, of all life, of the universe, and we are made in his image. So we have a tremendously intimate connection with this person of God who is the author of all life everywhere. And so, uh, and all life is loved by God. And if God loves all of life, so must we. We cannot harm anything that God loves. And certainly before we were even formed in the womb, I mean, uh, before we were even born, while we were in the womb, God loves us. Just as a quick story, I told the people this story on Sunday. Uh, I went to visit a house to um, a couple that I married to meet their children. They moved back into the area. They showed me the house. They showed me their son's room. They showed me their daughter's room. They were very proud and then we went down the hallway, and they showed me a new room that was all set up for a new child that hadn't arrived yet, but they were all ready for it with a baby crib and all those kind of things. Mm. And as I was driving home, I thought to myself, you know, this couple, they love their son, they love their daughter, and they love this child that they haven't even met yet, they haven't even mm. seen, hasn't even been born, and yet they've, they've established a place in the home for this child. They love this child before it was even born, and that's the way God loves us, before we are even born. So all the people in Washington, D.C. are affirming that, and hopefully all Catholics everywhere are as well.
2: Yeah, isn't that a, it's a fascinating and wonderful thing, isn't it, that we are loved by God uh, even before we're born? I mean, and, and but we do, like you said, Father, we see that, we see that uh, coming through in parents. I know I had a a good friend of mine, my wife and I, unfortunately, have not been blessed with children of our own, but uh, um, biological children of our own. And but yet, I remember a friend of mine saying that you know what? The moment, the instant my wife told me I'm pregnant, I was in. I was all in. There was just you know that suddenly that was the new that new life that was just beginning to to form um, was now uh, just in engulfed him and in in all of his attention, all of his love, all of his thoughts, you know, it just, just was poured out into this, this tiny life. Um, so such a, such a wonderful thing. Now, father being pro-life and, um, and being Catholic, I mean, there's a, there's a number of different ways that, uh, that we can be pro-life, but there's also a number of different kind of, uh, ways of looking at the pro-life, uh, question or the pro-life issue, I suppose. One of them, and most significantly, of course, is, is through the lens of morality and uh, Catholic moral teaching. So um, can you give us an understanding of what are the foundations of Catholic moral teaching, maybe specifically as referred to uh, when, we, when we think about pro-life?
3: I think the first thing that should come to everyone's mind is this simple idea of creation, that we are created in the image of God. And that means we are created in the image of love. God is love. And so the basis of all Catholic moral teaching really is going to arise out of some way that we can love ourselves, love God, or love others in a more deeper and authentic way. Mm. Certainly not to harm anyone. uh, But love is an actively seeking the good of someone else. So morality is not just keeping rules or keeping the speed limit or keeping laws. It's actively seeking the good of another Mm. in authentic, ethical ways. Uh, so it begins with the image of God. Uh, you know, again, as I said before, that we understand that God loves all people, and so must we, and so our our actions can never be harmful to that person that God loves, including ourself. Uh, it kind of goes across the entire lifespan from the moment of conception, you know, where your friend just, her, his imagination just went wild with this idea right. of new life in his family. Right. begins from the moment of conception to... Uh, to natural death. Um, and I think the the final thing is, is that uh, we are personally responsible for our decisions. Uh, you know, we can't say that the devil made me do it or, you know, all these kind of excuses that one of the foundations of Catholic moral thinking is personal responsibility. Um, so we can't say, well, I'm you know, I had white privilege or, you know, I was, you know, this uh, kind of advantage. It really is a, an idea that we stand before God with our behavior, our decisions, on our conscience that we, um, we are responsible for. So a number of things, but it's all really, really simple. It really comes back to uh, this idea of love, God's love for us, and our response to be loving ourselves, loving others, and to love God in authentic and ethical ways. Yeah, and I
2: love that distinction that you give there, Father. Too is that uh, morality isn't just about following laws, but morality is—it has a purpose, right? It's—it's it's really aimed at uh, at our really affirming and living out being created in the image of God and drawing us closer to union with Him and and really our ultimate human happiness as well. So there's—I mean there's a there's a foundational understanding there about morality that it mm-hmm. far transcends something like, uh, as you say, just following laws, right? Right, right. Um, so, Father, I know you've used the term uh, specifically uh, moral issues bookshelf in in responding to, uh, to uh, talking about Catholic moral teaching. So how does the moral issues bookshelf, what do you mean by that, and then what? <laughs> uh, how does it relate to being pro-life?
3: Well, I think this is a very helpful image, and I think that You know, if you've ever been involved in in talking about morality with different people or different moral issues, people have favorite moral issues that they think are more important than something else. I mean, it could be immigration, death penalty, war, um, you know, euthanasia, medical issues. There's there's tons of, you know, really important, really powerful moral issues. And sometimes the pro-life movement is accused of kind of prioritizing pro-life as opposed to death penalty, or war, or, you know, crime, uh, you know, crime and morality. And so this is a way of thinking about how do we think about the priority of the pro-life issue. So I I was, I have this image of just take any moral issue, you know, death penalty or war, and just think about all of the issues that are involved in that, you know, concept, say the death penalty. And all of those issues, pro and con, they could fill an entire book. And so each moral issue actually could be an entire book that you could put on a moral issues bookshelf. And you can debate with people about where, what's, what in order those books should be. I think this book is more important than that book. This moral issue is more important than that one. So where does the pro-life issues book belong on that moral issues bookshelf? I like to say that it doesn't really belong on the shelf at all. It doesn't belong on the shelf at all. It actually is the shelf. It's the ground on which all other moral issues stand. It really is the basis and the foundation from which all other moral issues can be understood. We can't understand, you know, the pro-life book is this affirming the dignity of all innocent human life from conception to natural death. We can't understand euthanasia until we understand what natural death means. We can't understand the death penalty until we understand what innocent means. So, all of the other issues really find their source, find their understanding, find their meaning, arising from the first and foremost issue, which is the pro-life issue, which is the the shelf on which all of the other books stand. So that's the image I think that can help. Yeah,
2: that's really helpful, Father. Thank you. That's uh, that's a great that's a great image. It's a it helps to uh, kind of clarify where where pro-life is being the shelf itself that holds up all these other moral issues. So, and that's yeah. also a good a good uh, impetus to invite our listeners to be part of the conversation. How have you been part of the shelf? Where have you seen the shelf come in? So, um, have you been part of the pro life movement in specific ways? And how has that been? Uh, how has that affected your own life of faith? How has it affected the lives of those around you? Perhaps you pray for an end abortion. Perhaps you yourself have have experienced some healing after an abortion or maybe you help to work or work to help uh, the poor perhaps you uh, perhaps you're working with the aging as well how are you involved in pro life give us a call join the conversation we'd love to hear your story Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. and we actually do have a call right now we've got heather who's calling in from Austin Texas heather welcome to the inner life
4: Hi, thank you for having me. I wanted to share that um, I was blessed in 2009 to witness Abby Johnson's conversion uh, firsthand. And um, I worked at the Coalition for Life and Brian and answered the phone and heard her voice on the other end of the line. And she came into our office and uh, just poured her heart out and cried, you know, telling us about all the things she had witnessed and been a part of. And um, days later, I actually started feeling really guilty because I was the I was definitely the doubting Thomas in the in the room. Um, I had talked to Abby Johnson several times on the phone before when she called and complained about us or told us how we should be running our vigils and um, Planned Parenthood did things to you know try to thwart our efforts or play tricks on us and so I really sat there thinking she was not telling the truth, that they were really pulling a a big, big prank on us this time. And um, of course, quickly realized that she was telling the truth and her her conversion was real. And um, I've been having a lot of flashbacks about that um, more so lately because now we're looking at the overturning of Roe versus Wade um, actually in our lifetime, which so many people you know, never believed would happen. And now there's a a real chance of this happening, which of course doesn't mean the end. It's really the beginning. um, And we have a lot of work to do for many generations. Uh, But, um, you know, we we talk about our faith and why we believe in the dignity of all life. And yet when and and that we believe in miracles, and yet when a miracle happens in front of us, um, sometimes we can be doubtful. So I was definitely one of those people. And I wanted to share that and just encourage all those especially those who have been on the front lines for many, many years longer than I have. I admire um, people like that so much. And when I'm having hard days, I think this is nothing. People have been going at this for decades and they're still going strong. So thank you to all those people who uh, came before the current generation to fight for life and the dignity of um, mothers and children and, and families.
3: You're right, Heather. This is a watershed moment. And you had a front row seat uh, at it for some time. And especially at that really dramatic moment when Abby Johnson, uh, you know, really came on the pro-life side. And you were an eyewitness to that. And I can understand that you feel, you know, maybe a little bit of a, you know, um, difficult feeling about it the doubts that you had at the beginning. And you called yourself a doubting Thomas. But you remember Jesus' attitude towards Jesus' attitude towards Thomas, was not one of anger or disappointment. He understood. It was perfectly reasonable uh, for Thomas to either doubt that Jesus rose from the dead or that he still had the signs of the wounds on himself. Per- and so he simply said, put your hands here and, and, and believe. So there was no animosity. There was no anger. He wasn't disappointed. Jesus understands that, you know, we have to understand things ourselves. The angel Gabriel was not angry at Mary when Mary said, how can this be? since I do not know man. He, and the angel Gabriel simply explained things. So, you know, this is a time of pranks. This is a time of playing dirty tricks on each other. Perfectly reasonable to think that someone who was so outspoken on the other side would suddenly have a change of heart. Uh, perfectly reasonable that you might doubt that. Uh, but then, you know, like doubting Thomas and Mary, once you be able to see the larger picture, once you were able to see what was actually going on, uh, you embraced her. So, I it's Really, uh, I'm very happy for you that you have this kind of front row seat on these major events. And you're right. Uh, this is really going to be a watershed year. Who would have thought that really, you know, close to the 50th anniversary, uh, finally the pro-life uh, ideal will be the law of the land. Just uh, really, so we, we're all having a front seat now on this really, really remarkable event.
2: It is very remarkable and uh, just kind of struck as to how how really a watershed i don't want to overuse the 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 word but what watershed moment it is um and uh heather i can just o- i can only say that uh, you know just like thomas i'm sure after he did put his fingers in the nail holes and in the side of jesus that uh he went out and uh you know we know that he went out and preached to the nations and uh and preached the risen christ and so are you giving witness to the legitimacy of of abby johnson's conversion and uh and so you're doing great, great work yourself, even in doing that. Thank you for being part of the conversation here on The Inner Life. How have you been involved with the pro-life movement? Are you praying for the end of abortion? Have you experienced healing after an abortion? Do you work to help the poor? Do you work with the aging? Give us a call. Tell us your story. 888 9149 We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to get a live update from Matt Beardsley, who is is out at National March for Life in Washington, D.C. All of that is coming up right after this. Stay with us.
0: Today we'd like to thank Julia, who's listening in Kentucky, for donating her Ford. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com car.
2: Welcome back to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond. And today we are talking about being pro-life here on the time, the day of the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Let's go now to Matt Beardsley, who joins us live from the March. Matt, how are things going out there?
0: Patrick, it is jumping, man. And I've been telling people all morning, you know, this could be the last of its kind. March is happening now. Uh, the keynote speakers are up right now. I've got a couple of congressmen. Father Mike Schmitz was hanging around here a bit ago. He's going to be speaking at the Rose Dinner tonight. I'm about to head over to talk to uh, Bishop Michael Burbridge of um, the Diocese of Arlington. He's going to be with the folks at Christendom College, Dr. Tim O'Donnell and the uh, um, the students and the faculty there. They're going to be leading the march this year, carrying the banners. So we're just minutes away from going over to talk to them for a little bit. But it's it's amazing. You know, It's we're here for a dowry reason, Patrick, but it's uh, it's a huge celebration of life that we have
2: yeah absolutely and what is the what is the general spirit of of marchers that you've talked to i mean are they all excited and ready to go
0: it is it is like i said it's you know we're here for kind of a depressing reason but it's always a huge family reunion and i i told patrick madrid uh, a couple hours ago i said it's the it's the happiest demonstration you'll ever see there's no anger no bitterness you know the only bitterness comes from the other side you know there are a few of them Walking around here now, shouting vulgarities and in anger and hate, it's 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 amazing. It's anger and hate from grown adults, and then you see this
2: love and sacrifice from these young children
0: that are here to celebrate life.
2: And that is something worth uh, worth looking at too, Matt. Isn't is it true that there's there's just a lot of children and youth involved in the national march there?
0: Man, I'm I just turned forty six in October, and I tell you what, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Dude, I wasn't I wasn't catechized properly um, you know it's, until I was an adult and I can't believe how on fire these kids are year after year I'm, I'm a broken record saying that because it's just it's so amazing I see these kids 11 12 years old articulating very gracefully and very well what they feel about the sanctity of life it's like I had no idea how to even sanctity what what when i was 11 years old i couldn't even comprehend that in my brain let alone articulate it the way these kids are i'm jealous in a good way because these kids really are the pro-life generation and hey guess what they may they may very well be
2: the post row generation as well Mm, mm. wow something certainly worth continuing to pray for we're excited about that and uh the march usually kicks off around 1 p.m eastern time is that right
0: yeah, yeah, they're getting ready to line up now, and okay, so yeah. uh, when we break to go to the mass, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over and do a few more interviews, and then uh, uh, when I get on the air later on with Drew Mariani, w- uh, with the Ed Morris, he's filling in, uh, we'll do a little recap
2: of the day. Yeah, sounds exciting there, Matt. Oh, and one other one other thing, uh, it's it's cold in Wisconsin where I am. What's the weather like out there in DC?
0: Hey, Gary, what's what's the temperature right now? Is it like 13? It was like 13, 23. It's 23 right now, so it is. Um, It is very cold. I've got six layers on, uh, before my, my jacket. No, I do. I have six layers on before my jacket. I'm nice and toasty, but as soon as I leave the media tent, um, I gotta have my gloves on and I gotta have the scarf up because it's been, uh, it's been a bit brutal. This is one of the colder ones I've been at. There's been a lot of snow. There's been a lot of sunshine. Uh, Matt Burke from the uh, from the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the uh, Minnesota Vikings. He and I were having a chat. I think it was 2018 outside the media tent. It was 60 degrees. He had to take his suit jacket off. I had to take off you know the layers of clothing I had because we were expecting it to be cold. And it was 60 something degrees. So I wish we had that right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet so. Well, Matt, uh, thank you for braving the cold. Thank you to all of the marchers who are out there braving the cold. And thank you for your updates, Matt. We'll continue to check in with you throughout the day. God bless you, Matt.
0: God bless you, Patrick. Take care.
2: All right. Wow, a uh, lot of excitement there at the National March for life. Uh, hopefully, there are there are folks there who are actually listening even right now through the relevant radio app. Um, but it, whether or not uh, whether or not they are, we can certainly uphold them in our prayers as they're they're lining up now for the march. May this be. Yeah. May this be one of, if not the last March of its kind in our lifetimes. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. very good. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for joining us. Father, uh, we are, I should say, uh, just in case you're just joining us, we just checked in with Matt Beardsley out at the National March for Life, but here on The Inner Life, we are talking about being pro-life with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney, who is the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And so, uh, Father, have
3: you been to a National March for Life, Father? I have not. I've participated in local uh, walk, walks for life uh, here in uh, Ventura County, where I used to be, and then here in, in Whittier. Uh, of course, yeah. you know, we march under such different circumstances. The weather is so much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I, you, could, you could just feel the excitement in Matt's voice as he was uh, talking about what he was experiencing there, the joy and the happiness yeah. of the people there. And, but I was really intrigued when he talked about the weather. You know, I'm a Southern California guy, when the temperature gets below 60, I call 911. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i'll send you the picture that i took of our thermometer this morning which read minus 22 how about that father Wow. anyway um well yes we're so grateful that uh, so many people are braving the cold to stand up for this uh for this important issue a march for for life i mean what what more could we march for as as you were saying earlier father it is the shelf itself on which all of the, the moral of our moral issues stand yeah. we do have a an important phone call coming into now with mary ann who's calling in from texas mary ann welcome to to the inner life. Thanks for your patience.
5: Thank you. It's my privilege to be able to talk to you.
2: Yeah. So, what have you got for us, Marianne? How have you been involved in the pro life movement?
5: Well, um, mostly because of uh, a little bit of element with my age and a little arthritis, arthritis I hate to say that word, but um, mostly through rosaries and prayer and much. Much prayer, most and masses and uh, adoration, things of that nature, and just a heart full of love for each and every person out there that's involved in this, and I'm involved in my heart, and I'm I try to go to the marches, and I have when I was younger, but not able anymore. So, but that being said, um, my question is: Do you want me to ask my question?
2: Sure, please.
5: I, I've been a pro-life. I'm, I'm you know, born Catholic, born and raised, and always been pro-life. Never thought I'd ever have an abortion, but I did. And I had five of them. And, they were, I, was young, and I blamed a lot of things. Uh, I blamed ex-husband, blamed everything, ex-husband. Uh, but uh, I have a question. Uh, and I love these children to, with all my heart that are in, hopefully in heaven, I know. Because my question is, the fact that I didn't, they weren't baptized after they were taken. Their life was snuffed out by me. And, and I have gone to confession. I, I hope I mentioned that. But I'm truly sorry, but the remorse is left. But the sadness never goes away. It never goes yeah. away. There's no no painkiller strong enough to kill the pain in the heart of a mother who's done that or, or has had that done to her. So that being said, most of them, I hope, I hope they feel that way. My question is just that simply, I, will I see them again, my babies? We uh, haven't, because I didn't get them baptized. They weren't baptized naturally.
3: Absolutely, Marianne. We believe that children who, are, uh, uh, who die before baptism, we simply say they're in the hands of God, and that's the very best place you can possibly be. So we feel uh, we have this kind of positive view of where they are. They are in the mercy of God. They are in the hands of God uh they you know they did not commit any sins, uh, and we believe that you that we will be reunited again. but let me say this to you also I, I know that the memories will never go away and that 's just the way God designed our brain, our mind if you know images and of our behaviors in the past can stay with us forever i 'm sure you understand that you are forgiven, you are completely forgiven for these sins, but also, let me invite you to think about this image. There are five saints in heaven who are praying for you, who are interceding on your behalf to God. You know, you can't be in the presence of God and have any other feeling except love. You cannot have any other virtue except love. God is love and is surrounded by pure love. So these five saints, they're not angry, they're not uh, disappointed, they're not uh, mad at you. They are in the presence of God so they can only have love for you. And the most happiest story in our faith is the is the story of a changed life, a life that was going in one direction and now it's going in the right direction. So yeah, there was a time in your life when it was going in the wrong direction, but Marianne, you have expressed the happiest story in our faith by a change, by a repentance, by moving in a direction towards love and and regret for what's happened, and a promise to affirm life from now on. So it's a happy story. I hope that you'll focus on that, you know, going forward as well. And just recognize that you have five uh, saints in heaven who are interceding on your behalf and wishing you only the best and only more love and that you continue this pro-life view that you have now for the rest of your life and share it with others. So I
5: will. And yeah. I tell you, I've never heard such beautiful words and such truth spoken to me about this issue cause, but until now. And I, <laughs> I feel like a million dollars because I, I'm i so happy about that. So thank you so much, so much. Beautiful God bless Marianne. you all, and I'm there in spirit in Washington at the march, and I'm listening to it on the radio, so with my rosary in my hand, so I'm really excited about that. God bless. Thank you so much for taking my call.
2: Yeah, thank you, Mary Ann. Thank you for this um, important call, and Father, thank you for your kind words and, and your, your true words, that uh, a great way of Reminding ourselves that uh, as we place the those who have not yet been born, those who were not able to be baptized in the care of our loving Father, that there is there's no better place to be, there's no better place to you than the yeah. hands of God. And uh, you know, just like just like Marianne too, if you would like to live out today in solidarity with the March for Life that's going on, of course, in Washington, um, you are invited here at Relevant Radio to join us in a fast for life and uh, if you are fasting for life a couple things you can do first of all you can you can jump online over at relevantradio.com and you can sign up to let us know that you're fasting and if you don't have a particular um, if you don't if you're not going to do a traditional fast of giving up a meal or giving up food um, there's also some suggestions of other ways that you can fast uh, there uh, is at fast for life and for those who do sign up for, uh, fasting with us in solidarity, um, as you plan to pray and sacrifice for the unborn, uh, you can you you will receive a free bonus ebook download called "The Choice Is Love," which has answers to questions like, "Well, with hunger and overpopulation in the world, why would the church teach against birth control?" I mean, that's a that's a great one, as well as many questions related uh, to abortion, to um, to mothers who are looking to have an abortion, that sort of thing. So, the choices love it's a great tool it'll help you in responding to several popular arguments with compassion so again, relevant radio and solidarity health share today uh, go to fast for life or go to relevantradio.com slash fast and claim your free download of the choices love and then if you do do so, hey why not post on social media let others know you're doing that and use hashtag fast for life well, um, lots of ways that we can um, we can be part of the national March for Life today, Father. But um, I think Marianne also brought up an excellent point, and you yourself are responding with such compassion there. And I think a lot of times we, in the pro-life movement, we get uh, accused um, by others who are not pro-life as um, only caring about babies, or or only caring, not even about babies, but only caring about what they see as a lump of tissue or something like that. But um, what are some of the ways that women who have had abortions, like Marianne did, um, how can they find healing, and in what ways does abortion even hurt men, uh, the men who are involved with the abortion?
3: You know, I think any wound or any suffering or any difficulty that someone encounters, uh, one of the first steps to healing is to not be alone and to have a sense that there is a support group around this person, hopefully family, relatives, parishioners, counselors, um, The most important thing is this person doesn't feel alone. Healing always begins first with companionship. You know, the final words that Jesus spoke before his ascension was, I will be with you always. Mm -hmm. He didn't say the world would be wonderful now. There'll be no more suffering. He didn't say that. He simply said, as the world is and you in it, I will be with you. Never feel alone. I think that's the first thing. Uh, I think confession, mass prayer, all those kind of things that Marianne was saying are are important too. Um, and I think, as I mentioned to her as well, that uh, we believe that aborted children are with God and they can intercede with God on your behalf. There's only, they only want love for you. Um, I think also, you know, the father is somewhere in this picture. Mm-hmm. And I think the father needs to be brought in as well in terms of mm-hmm. responsibility. He's part of this story. Uh, and to, as much as we can we can kind of instill responsibility in the part of the father. I think that's, um, that's extremely important. So I think all of those things together help uh, slowly restore a person back, back to uh, mental, emotional and spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And indeed, I know that there are, there are lots of,
3: um... you know, if I could just, add yeah, one please more thing. father. Yeah. You know, Very often, I think we believe that the natural instinct for a woman is to have a child. If they find out that they're pregnant, you know, God designed us in such a way, chemically, hormonally, mentally, emotionally. All There's a lot about a mother that's designed to bring this child to term. If that doesn't happen, there's usually, you know, external reasons going on. Poverty, force, maybe this was a rape, you know, extreme fear. So a mother will say, you know, I want to bring this child to bear, but I have all these other things going on that are overwhelming. Well, I think, you know, our counselors, our parishioners, our, you know, the support groups, if they can take care of those other issues, if they can resolve the force, the fear, the the poverty, uh, the immaturity, the unemployment, if they can resolve those issues, very often the impulse for abortion goes away. So, you know, very often when, if someone comes to me and says, you know, they're thinking about having an abortion, I'll say to them, well, what else is going on in your life? And that surprises them because they think I'm going to talk only about the abortion, but I'll say, well, what else is going on? Hmm. And I'll find out that there's all these other forces that are just overwhelming like a tidal wave over this uh, this person who feels overwhelmed. So one by one, if we can take care of all these other issues very often, the impulse to abortion goes away, and if they have an abortion, then I think, you know, kind of surrounding them with support and counseling and and uh, and, and aid can can help with the healing. So yeah, and a lot going on there. Yeah,
2: exactly. And and just to hear you say that, Father, I think it's a it's a good reminder that there's a, a whole web of things, oftentimes that are going on in and around what we may try to oversimplify into one particular event. Yeah. But uh, it also, it opens the door for many people to be involved in pro-life in a lot of different levels, in a lot of different ways, that there's not just a one particular way of being involved, but there's, there's help needed on all sorts of things, uh, all sorts of levels and that sort of thing. And we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Is there a way that you've been involved in the pro-life movement, whether just directly, maybe you have and maybe you are marching for life? Uh, maybe you're doing that. Maybe that's something that is a regular part of your Catholic life. Perhaps you pray uh, for the unborn. We pray for um, pray for pro life. Uh, perhaps you pray rosaries for that uh, again and again. Um, and perhaps you join us in our in our campaigns of millions, hundreds of millions of memoraries for for uh, for an end to abortion. Whatever it is, uh, but it's it can be a number of other things too. Working with the poor, working with encouragement, working with the aging, whatever it is, give us a call. Join the conversation: eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney, from Whittier, California, and we are talking about being pro-life here on the Inner Life. We are going to have more right after this, so stay with us. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, and my thanks to you for tuning in. My thanks to our producer, Nick Sentovich, who's uh, doing a great job in in getting this show lined up and all the spiritual directors lined up, and also Jim Shaver, who's on the phones, taking your phone calls today. So thank you so much. I uh, appreciate uh, all of the work that is done to produce a show like this. appreciate as well all of the work uh, and the prayers and the efforts and all the things that go into uh, helping pro-life across America really be the the, um, yeah, really be the reality that we come into um, being pro-life across this country of ours as we are uh, talking today about being pro-life here on the inner life and as we are hearing from you about ways that you are involved in the pro-life movement, give us a call, join the conversation triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine Father, let's go and let's take a phone call. We've got Father Terry who's calling in from Albuquerque New Mexico. Father Terry, welcome to the inner life.
1: yes, praise God. well, thanks for being on the air today. It's a great day to uh talk about pro life things, especially if you're not in Washington freezing and you're in Albuquerque enjoying the sun <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Very good. And speaking of that type of healing, I my, my question has to do with Rachel's Vineyard or ministries like it. I've been affiliated with many dioceses doing them, but I don't hear it advertised. And if you're not giving out an 800 number for women who would like to pass that number on, it's hard to talk about something that's anonymous, you know?
3: Well, Father Terry, you're so correct. Uh, I don't have that number in front of me, but, uh, you know, Maybe a Relevant Radio can post it somewhere, but Rachel's Vineyard is a very, very powerful, very beautiful, and very effective program that uh, uh, welcomes in women who've had an abortion. They're talking to only other people who've had an abortion, too, so they're all on the same page. Uh, I've We had it in our parish when I was in uh, uh, the west side of Los Angeles for a while, and I personally experienced it and just found it to be very, very... Um, Effective, powerful, and meaningful way to uh, gently and creatively and spiritually in a very meaningful way uh, restore spiritual health to people who've had an abortion. So it's called Rachel's Vineyard. Every right. diocese, I'm sure, has a program of it. You might check with your parish and um, and make uh, make use of it. Thank yeah, you, Father Terry.
2: Yeah, thank you, Father Terry. I do have those numbers in front of me. Uh, the toll free okay. national hotlines, Rachel's Vineyard is eight seven seven Hope. And then the number four, and then me, 877 Hope For Me, which is eight seven seven That'll get you in touch with Rachel's Vineyard. And then there's also, they have a national hotline for abortion recovery, which is 866 482 Life. 866 482 Life, L I F E, or 5433. So 877 uh, Hope For Me, 866 482 Life. Those are ways to get in contact with Rachel's Vineyard. So, Father Terry, thank you for that phone call, and thank you for the wonderful uh, ways in which Rachel's Vineyard is at work helping women who have been involved uh, with abortion and are experiencing some of that pain. Which, as Marianne put it, after having five abortions, there are just there's just no painkiller that will take away the pain. However, that doesn't mean that uh, there isn't hope and uh, healing that can come. So, thank you, Father Terry, for the reminder. So Father, um I'm just talking about this. Obviously, abortion and pro-life uh, issues can be can be sensitive. um there are people who get who are very adamantly um, one side or the other. It can be very uh divisive. It can be something that's hard to talk about with people who are of a different mindset than we are. And with that being the case, I mean, even if we're talking with relatives or friends, you know sometimes the conversations can go kind of sour and be harmful even to our own spiritual lives. So how can we have conversations with others about these important issues that are really centered in charity?
3: You know, I think I heard a good example of this from Matt when he was reporting in from the March of Life in Washington when he said that the crowd was very happy, they were all in a good mood, they felt very positive. And even though there were some really angry counter-demonstrators who were just spewing insults and hate and everything it didn't change the crowd i think that was a really powerful statement you know we can both affirm our pro life ideas and love the people who have the opposite side mm-hmm. because again love is the center of everything so even if our relatives or family members are pro you know very pro choice or even pro abortion that doesn't change the fact that we are, they are still people that we love we don't wish them harm we don't diminish them we don't insult them or demean them in any way. But we always very calmly and very insistently and quietly affirm our beliefs. So we always speak. We always speak respectfully, but we always speak. So if we have family members who are on the other side, that should never silence us. That should, It's never an excuse to be quiet. But when we do speak, always keep in mind that the person that we're talking to is someone that we love because we are pro-life. We We affirm the dignity of non-pro-life people as well. So Mm -hmm. this is not a technique. This is not something that is just kind of a, uh, you know, technique, really. It really has to be authentic. Uh, So it doesn't matter if they're family members or friends or co-workers. uh, They're entitled to their opinion. But when we speak to them, we speak... uh, you know, respecting their dignity as well. And people can tell if you like them or not. So don't make it uh, phony. Don't make it just a technique. Uh, What we do, what the pro-life movement does is always affirm our beliefs, but that we always affirm the life of the person who's against us as well. It's always about love.
2: Father Dave Heaney with some wise words there as we're talking with others who may disagree with us in our views about abortion or about uh, other pro-life issues. And Father, speaking of other pro-life issues, I mean, um, you've you've already said this. We are pro-life because God is pro-life and we're talking about everything from conception to natural death. Let's talk about some of the other issues that do come up, um, maybe most, most notably, although not limited to these issues when it comes to pro-life. Uh, so, For one thing, euthanasia, um, we see that. It's been in the news. Um, Why is euthanasia wrong?
3: Because it's the act of killing of someone before natural death. So remember that pro-life idea, we affirm the dignity of human life, innocent human life from conception to natural death. And euthanasia is a non-natural death. We understand if someone, you know, we can remove... uh, artificially machines that artificially prolong life, but it is wrong to actively kill a person with direct action, which is what euthanasia is. Mm. And sometimes it's not even done with the patient's permission. Yeah. That's a good point too. Mm. So uh, if, if
2: actively killing another person is wrong, um, that just brings right to my mind uh, the whole issue. And there's been quite a bit of, quite a bit of press on this recently as well is the death penalty. Death penalty is um, obviously tied in with pro life understanding. So, um, why has the church been in favor recently, especially of banning the death penalty altogether?
3: Well, the death penalty only allows killing of another in case of self defense. So, in the in the pro- I can't allow someone to do violence to me. So, in the process of defending myself, if that involves the death of another person, it's unintended, but. You know, it was uh, an unfortunate consequence. The death penalty That's church teaching on the issue, is what you're saying, right? right, Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So it only allowed the death penalty in cases where, you know, uh, safe incarceration was not possible. So that even if someone, you know, was in jail, they're still killing people in jail, they're still killing people in prison. And so, you know, in that sense, there's still a sense of societal self defense. But one thing we know for sure is that the death penalty can never be used for punishment or as a deterrent for other crimes. Hmm. You can't punish a person. Punishment is meant to teach a lesson. Well, if you kill the person, there's no lesson learned. And I can't kill a person in the hopes that it might deter someone else from committing a crime. So uh, that's why the death penalty is very, very problematic. It can only be allowed in cases where we just cannot defend either society or fellow prisoners from a violent, violent criminal. And it has to be un- done under a very, very orderly uh, process of, of judicial review. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, great, Father. Um, so we've done euthanasia, <laughs> we've done death penalty, and and then another pro-life issue, you know, especially as we're thinking about abortion as part of pro-life. Um, yeah. We know that abortion afflicts, um, uh, especially in poverty stricken areas. I mean, that's that's one of the places we see it. So what about charity to the poor? How is that a pro-life issue?
3: Well, poverty is one of the main causes for abortion. You know, a woman finds themselves pregnant and they, they just have no resources, they have no means, they have no economic outlook, and so they just get overwhelmed and and the abortion happens under times of great stress and feelings of coercion. So poverty, you know, it just affects so many things. It affects family life. It affects, affects your just outlook on life. Uh, so, you know, anything that we can do to alleviate poverty is a pro-life issue for sure. Now, this is complicated because there's obviously Republican-Democrat ways of restoring the economy. And that's fine. But the motive has to be the same. How can we provide a prosperous life for each person to find their way in the world, and when that happens, our natural impulse to to love one another is is uh, more pronounced and more strong. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, abo- uh, poverty is a pro life issue because it deeply affects the quality of life that a, someone has, and um, and is probably one of the number one reasons why abortion occurs is is just extreme dire poverty and lack of economic hope. Gotcha! Wow.
2: Well, thank you. Lots of issues, as you said before, Father. Lots of issues wrapped in and around our understanding Mm -hmm. of abortion. And all of them are rightfully considered pro-life issues. Let's take another phone call. We've got Elisa who's calling in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Elisa, welcome to The Inner Life.
1: Thank you. Um, I just wanted to share my own personal experience, which is I became pregnant as a teenager um, and turned to my family for support. My parents at the time were atheists and intellectuals, academics, and I was met with a lot of shaming uh, at the time, and the only response I got from the people I helped to support me was basically, we knew you'd do something stupid like this, now you've ruined your life, Um, you're never going to finish college, and and the shame was so great that I ended up aborting, and I have regretted it all my life, become a Catholic since then, but I think a lot of times the narrative is incorrectly framed as, you know, pro-life is the feminist, I mean, the the um, pro-choice is the feminist stance, but in my case, that was not the case. Like, they definitely had a very low view of me as a woman for, quote-unquote, ruining my life and did nothing to support me, um, and I really wish that hadn't been the case. Um, I, I would, I think that the pro-life movement is actually a feminist movement if you support the, the young woman, you know, that's um, something that has hurt me and driven a wedge between me and my family
3: my entire life. That's beautiful, Elisa. Thanks for calling in and sharing that story. I'm glad that you were able to see through the lies of the people who were shaming you and the lies of the people who were disrespecting you and and uh, insulting you. And that's certainly not pro-life and it's not, you know, good has any good at all and i'm glad that you've seen the truth of the pro-life side now and what it means to affirm other people and to affirm the dignity of innocent human life from conception to natural death so i think you know kind of the way to frame your story is opening your eyes and seeing the truth of things as they actually are the things that the people said to you before were false and lies and now you you see the truth in a much much better way Mm -hmm. thanks for calling in and sharing that
2: yeah, thank you, Elisa. Thank you for uh, some good insight there as well. And I'm sorry for the for the experience that you had with people shaming you, uh, yeah. and, and 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 one of the things that I have really appreciated on becoming Catholic is just how much, yeah, Catholics really do value um, each life, each pregnancy, um, however it came about. There's uh, there's so much value,s there's so much joy that I've seen in and amongst my fellow Catholics when uh, when a new life is is yeah, is starting to take shape within the, uh, within the womb of its mother. So i um, so so grateful for that. Thank you, Elisa. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Father, we're down to about our last minute here. So as always, we'd like to end the show with a blessing.
3: So if you would, please. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life we have received from you. Help us to promote and preserve life at every age. We ask this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Father Dave Heaney has been our spiritual director for today For as we are talking about being pro-life. Some wonderful things there. If you're just catching this, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the uh, to the recording of the show, which you can find at RelevantRadio.com. Also go to RelevantRadio.com fast. Go over there and sign up to Fast for Life in solidarity with those who are marching today in Washington, D.C. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Father Mark Melezova from the Chapel of Nativity there in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And join us again on Monday for Evangelizing Young People with Father Eric Nielsen. That's coming up after the weekend. Well, live for life. Live for life today and this weekend, and God bless you.